That was awesome. I got to tell you one thing, that makes me even more excited to start this series. We're starting a series called Heroes today, looking at people in the Bible who their life was marked by them being a hero of the faith. And we want to look at their lives and say, what is it in their life, characteristics or principles or things that they did that we can learn from and apply into our relationship with God? But I think one of the things to remember is when we look at these people is so often when we look at a hero, it's like they're like this person that's not real. You know, we, we elevate somebody to this status that like they are not a real person at all. But in fact, all these people are real that we're going to look at. They were ordinary people that weren't perfect. None of them were. In fact, when we look in the scriptures and we look at these heroes, we find some of them had some pretty screwed up tendencies that would happen. And ultimately in their life, we see that God is the hero because of what God is able to do in and through their life. And I'm really excited for this series as I I look at it because, you know, I'm a man. We'll just go ahead and say it. And, you know, (laughs) as a man, you like, there's something in you that just wants to be a hero Ever from the time you were a little boy, that's why as little boys we would dress up in like Superman garb and jump from couch to couch and act like we were defending the universe in our living room. If you have little boys, you know what I'm talking about right now. You know, that, then as we grow, we go into high school, maybe we're playing sports, and then it's like, I got to be the sports hero. I got to be the one who hits the hardest. I got to be the one who scores the winning goal, and we just want to push for that, and we long to be elevated to that status. Even as we grow up to be adults and men, right now we want to be a business hero. We want to be the tech hero, the one that is coming into that business meeting with the best and brightest idea that everybody goes, wow. I mean, it's just something that's in us. But really when we look at a hero, what it is that makes a hero a hero is that they are willing to stand when everyone else stays seated. When no one else is getting up, when everyone is shrinking back, a hero is the one who will step forward. They're an ordinary person who says, I will take a stand for this. Heroes are not made by running and hiding. Heroes are not made by abdicating their responsibility. Heroes are not made by trying to remain comfortable. Heroes are made when they decide to take a stand for something and step out when everyone is shrinking back. And I think when we're kids, we have this, this desire, this willingness, almost like this childlike faith, right, that we'll just, we'll jump for it. I mean, if you told some little kids that they could fly, they would jump up on the roof and try because they, they're willing, they're ready, they want to do it. But as we get older and we become adults, it's like we begin to kind of experience the real world. Our dreams begin to get broken. Maybe somebody spoke into our life and put this insecurity insecurity in us that we can't get past. Maybe we've been worked over by the world and it just, those dreams of now being a hero, we give up on. And now we live those out through movies and video games and TV shows. But what if God wants to use you to be a hero? What if God wants to use you to be someone who could take a stand? Maybe not a war hero, Maybe not a superhero running around in your pajamas. But what if God wants to use you to be someone to take a stand for him? To take a stand for the people that God cares about, that he loves? What if God wants to use you to be someone to take a stand for the things that, that are at the very heart of God? Are you ready? Are you willing 
Today we're going to look at the life of David, and David is one of my absolute favorite people in the Bible, because he is a man's man. I'm a man, remember? And I love to study the life of David, because here is this man. Do you realize, David could go out and like kill a lion and a bear with a sling and a knife, go lead an army, rule a nation, and then write a song about it and jam it out. <laughs> Seriously. The dude is a stud. But here he is, this man's man, mentioned more than anybody else in the Bible. But you know what his defining characteristic was? The very thing that defined his life is that he was a man after God's heart. Sometimes I think that we approach Christianity and we look at what it means to follow Jesus and we think, well, man's man can't do that. He's got to be wussified to be a Christian. But here is this man who would step up and would live for God and would be defined as a man after God's heart. In fact, that's why God said he chose David to be king was because David had a, a heart after God. And today we're going to look at a, a passage about David that's one of my favorite about his life, and it happens in 1 Samuel chapter 17. So if you have Bibles with you today or your version app, you can check out 1 Samuel 17. So we're going to be looking at today. But as we, as we look at this passage and we look at this instance in David's life, let me set the scene for what's happening here. All right, here in the beginning of chapter 17 of 1 Samuel, we find this standoff between two armies. Here is, is almost like if we could look down, there's this valley, and on the two sides of the hills encamped is the Israelite army and the Philistine army, ready to face off, ready to get after it and fight, just like we saw in this video right before this. But each day there's something interesting that happens here. Out from the Philistine army comes a man walking into the valley, he comes walking towards the Israelite army, and he issues a challenge. Pretty simple. He says, hey, you know what? Why, why would all of our armies fight? Why would everybody come out and all these people die? Why don't we do this? Why don't you send your best person to come down and fight me? We'll have a one-on-one -on -one match. And whoever wins, his army wins. What do you think? And Goliath would come out and issue that challenge every day. And he would curse God and defy the God of Israel. But you know what? There's something else about Goliath. That maybe you might be thinking, why don't they just send somebody out? Like, there's got to be some warrior who could just, like, he's the man and he could go take him. But Goliath, we can't forget, is almost 10 feet tall. Goliath is this beast of a man who comes out dressed in head-to-toe in armor. In fact, it said his armor that he wore weighed almost 200 pounds. That's like him carrying me on his back, and he's ready to fight. I would be wore out, man, just trying to carry that. But Goliath wears us into battle. And Goliath, I can just imagine him coming out and just seeing this big, burly man all in his armor with his voice just echoing out across the stillness of the valley. And as Goliath would come out, it actually says that the, the Israelite army and even King Saul, the king of Israel, would shrink back in terror and they were dismayed by this man. Here the king of Israel, instead of being the one to champion their faith in God, 
being the one to recall them to the faithfulness of God in their past and leading them out into battle is shrinking back with the rest of the men. And Goliath would continue to come out and issue this challenge each day for 40 days. And no one would step forward. And the question for the Israelites is, who is it that's going to step up? Who is it that's going to come stand in this gap between us and Goliath and face this giant? And sometimes I think in our life and in our world, like when we look around, there are obstacles and things that we will face, things that seem so big that we don't think we can do it. And there's this gap that's wondering, can we step in front of that? And maybe there's an obstacle, a challenge in our life that we're facing that scares you to death. And the thought of you being the one to step out into that gap to stand before this scares you like crazy. And this is where the Israelite army finds themselves. And now we enter David into this story. Now David is not here at this time with the army. Because you know what? David's a teenage boy. He's back home. He's too young to fight in the army. And he's back home watching his daddy's sheep. He's sitting out there in the pasture watching these sheep taken care of him. And his dad comes to him and says, hey, I want you to go down to meet the army and check on your brothers. Go down and see how things are going. Take them some food and bring me back a report. So David says, okay, sure. He heads down. He gets there. He finds his brothers. And he's talking with them, finding out what's going on, catching up. And out comes Goliath again from the Philistine army on the 41st day. And as Goliath begins to come out and issue this challenge, David's standing there and he sees all the men shrinking back. In fact, it's said that the men ran from Goliath in great fear. And here's David, this teenage boy, kind of like, who does this guy think he is? Right? It might sound kind of arrogant here, but David's like, who does this guy think he is that he is going to defy our God? Who does he think he is that he can come out here and curse God and the nation of God? And so David begins to get kind of ticked off. David begins to ask questions about what's going to happen for the man who will go out and face this guy. And you know, it's, it's interesting. Whenever God begins to stir something in our hearts, whenever God begins to, to put this passion in us to take a stand for him, to step out in faith, to maybe be the one to go out and face that obstacle or face that, that challenge, it's amazing how all of a sudden discouraging voices can come around us. And here is David's older brother now stepping in to say, David, you little wicked boy. You're just coming here to watch a fight. You need to shut your mouth. But you know what? God was stirring in David's heart, and David didn't even let his brother phase him. He just looks at his brother and says, what did I do to you? And he just turns right back around and says, I'm getting after what God's getting, God wants me to do. He continues talking to people, and word gets back to King Saul about David asking about Goliath. And this is where we pick up in this passage this dialogue between this teenage boy and this cowering king. In verse 32, David says to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Here's this teenage boy standing before the king, and he just goes, Don't let anybody be scared of this guy. Let me go fight him. I'm ready. I can picture like the little five-year-old who's like, Let me at him, man. I'm ready to go. It's like full-on ready. 
And David's just like, let me go after him. And, and Saul looks back at him, and here's another discouragement to David. Saul says, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy. He's been a fighting man from his youth. There's always times in our life when we're ready to take a stand that somebody might say, you're not old enough. You don't know enough. You don't have enough experience. But look how David replies. David says back to Saul in verse 34, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. David may be a teenage boy, but he is acting and living like a man. And here he is saying, look, the very same God who delivered the lions and bears to me, you know, I would go out and defend the sheep and attack them and kill them, was the same God who will lead me against this Philistine because he is defying my God. And in verse 37 is the very focal of this passage where he says, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of this bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. See, David had a relationship with God and he had faith in God because he had seen God move and work in his past. He had seen the faithfulness of God in the past and because David was able to look back at that and look at his faith and see that it paved the way for David to have future or faith into the future where he would go out and face Goliath. And here he is standing saying, I'm ready to go and God will deliver me. Saul says, all right, go. I can't imagine what's going through Saul's head, though. He has just sent out a teenage boy to go do a face-off against Goliath, where the winner of this fight will be the winner, and the other army will become subject to them. I mean, seriously, how many of us as adults would say, all right, kid, go get him? Hey, this company's tanking. You're CEO. Go get him, Tiger. I mean, here he is letting this young kid go, letting this young eagle, in a sense, begin to fly, to go out and take a stand for God. But he, he goes, David gets ready to go out, and Saul puts his armor on him. So you've got to imagine this. It's like this kid wearing this man's armor. It's like hanging off all over, and David's like, I can't wear this. So David says, I've got to go with what I know. And David goes down, and he grabs his staff. He grabs his sling. He goes down and picks up five smooth stones. Because, see, David, he had this sling where he could put a rock in it, swing it around, and throw it. And man, it was accurate. That thing would fly out and hit its target. And so David comes out to face Goliath carrying a staff, five rocks, and a sling. Kind of like setting it up like, this is going to be great, right? And here he comes out, and Goliath comes walking down to meet him. Now you can imagine Goliath, all 10 foot everything, looking at this little five foot run. And he comes out, and Goliath kind of gets ticked. He's like insulted. Because he looks down and he's like, this is a boy. You send a boy to come out and fight me? And in verse 43, we pick up and we see what, what Goliath says to David. He says, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? Are you trying to come out and play fetch with me, boy? And Goliath says, come here. I'll give the flesh 
your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Now, most of us at this time would probably need a change of underwear (laughs) if Goliath said this to us. We would want to run the other way. But look at what David says to this man. David says, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. Look at the faith of David. He comes out and he says, you come against me with all the greatest armor. You come against me with all the strength and all the size. You come against me with this big spear. You come against me with the sword. But you know what? I come against you in the name of God. And it is God who will deliver you into my hands. And he says, so the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. There's times in our life when God calls us to take a stand, to step out. And we may seem ill-equipped. We may not feel like we have what it takes. But all the more when we stand and we act and God delivers us and we act in faith, that it is God who gets the credit. That it is everybody who points back and says there's only one way that that could have happened, and it's God. And here is David coming out in his faith. And, and now Goliath, even more ticked off comes running down at David, and David takes that sling, he begins to wind it up, he begins to let it go, and smack, stone hits Goliath right in the forehead, and Goliath falls down to the ground. David, this teenage boy, runs over and grabs his sword, and runs up to him, and true to his word, cuts off Goliath's head. And in this moment, because David was willing to step into the gap, and face Goliath, and defeat him, now the Israelite army rallied, Their faith was stirred, and now they took off down the hillside over to take the Philistines and to overtake them. See, David was a teenage boy who was willing to take a stand for God. He's this ordinary kid out watching the sheep who, when an instance arises that someone needs to step up, David's willing to say, I'll do it because I know God. I'll do it because I trust in God. And his relationship and his faith in God drove his actions and drove him to be the one to take a stand. And all throughout David's life, this would be a marking characteristic for him. That as he would later become king and as he would lead the nation of Israel, he would be the one that would be willing to stand before the people, to stand in the gap between them and God, leading the people to him, inspiring faith in them, leading them to him, proclaiming the goodness of God, proclaiming the faithfulness of God before the whole nation. He would be a man who, when the Ark of the Covenant that represented the presence of God was brought into the city of Jerusalem, would dance and worship before all the people, not caring about them or what they thought about him, but caring about what God said. He was a man who was willing to stand. Even when David was confronted with his sin, with his brokenness, with his imperfections before God, David was a man who was willing to stand in brokenness and humility before God and the people and admit that and own it and didn't make excuses. David was a man's man who had a heart after God that drove everything about him to where he was willing to take a stand for God, for the people of God, and for the things that God cares about. 
And ultimately throughout David's life, we would see this characteristic happening. And God actually chose David to make a covenant with him that would then lead to impact the entire history of mankind. That you and I are impacted by David's life and by the covenant that God made with him. That God would say, one day I'm going to send a Messiah, a promised one, a Savior. Someone who will come and bring deliverance and salvation for all mankind. Where it will be a new covenant where a person can have a direct relationship with me. That they will be able to come with me. That I will place my spirit within them. And ultimately, hundreds of years later, we see through this covenant that God made with David, Jesus coming the Son of God being sent by God to come and live on this earth, to live a perfect life, to be that promised one, that Messiah, who would one day face the cross, where his arms would be outstretched, his blood would be shed, so that we might be forgiven. Because you see, Jesus came and stood in the gap for us. Because of our sin, because we have disobeyed God and rejected him, there's a gap. And just like Goliath was standing and there was a gap before the Israelites and there was nobody to stand in between, here there is no one standing in between until Jesus steps into that gap for us. And it is Jesus stepping into that gap where he would face the cross and as it says in 1 Timothy that he would be a mediator for us so that the punishment and the consequences that we were going to bear for our actions against God Jesus took on the cross, that it would be poured out on him, that he would atone for us, and that now we could have a relationship with God. And here God is in his love and his mercy extending this this gift of this relationship, of this eternity through Christ, so that we would respond by faith, that then we could go on to live for God, that we could have a heart that would live for God, that we could have a heart that would be willing to stand for God. And God is looking for people and for hearts who are his that will be willing to take a stand and say, I will stand for God and I will stand for the things of God and I will stand for the people of God. When we look in the Bible and we study throughout the rest of Israel's history, we find that some 400 years later after David's death, that the city of Jerusalem had begun to turn away from God. That they had begun to to live apart from him. And God said, because of their actions, there's going to have to be punishment and consequences because I, I long to extend my grace, I long to extend my mercy, but I also have to deliver punishment because of my justice. And here, God says about the city of Jerusalem in Ezekiel 22, verse 30, He says, I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not destroy it. But I found none. See, David stood before the people. He stood in the gap. He led the nation back to God, to have faith in God, to live for him. But now, here is this time where God is coming and saying, I'm looking for a man who would build up the wall, who would stand in the gap, who would intercede for the people on their behalf, who would come to me, who would seek to lead them back to me, who would tell them how they can honor me and live for me, and to turn from their sin. And God says, I found none. God is looking for hearts who are his. 
God is looking for men and for women who will say, I see the gap and I will stand up for my family. I will stand in the gap for my friends. I will stand in the gap for my city to intercede on their behalf. And I think about a group of men in our church who did this just back in June for their families. We had a group of men who went through a a life group together this whole spring, studying and learning what God expects of them as husbands, what God expects of them as fathers. And they came and stood here on this very stage before our church to say, we are making a commitment before God. We are making a commitment before our church. We are making a commitment before our wives and our kids that we will be men who will stand in the gap for our families. That we will be men who will lead them, who will provide for them, who will pray for them. That it won't be anybody else that you have to look to to model what it means to live for God in my family because I will be the one who does it. And even more as a father, now that I sit there and I think about this, that I want to be the one who will step up and stand forward for my daughter to be a man who will model what it means to live for Jesus, to be a man who will help instill faith in her, to be a man that she can come to, that I will love her, that I will lead her, that I will provide for her, that I will protect her as I stand in the gap for her. And God is looking for men to stand in the gap. And my heart has been for this whole message on men this week. I mean, here is David, this man's man who got after living for God with everything that he had in him. And men, here it is. Here is your opportunity to step up, to stand up, to step into the gap and to be a hero. It may not be the superhero that you thought when you were a kid, but here is your opportunity, husbands, to be a hero to your wife to step into the gap for her, to begin to stand for her, to begin to lead her and say, I will be the one to initiate seeking Christ for our family. I will be the one to pray. I will be the one to say, let's go to church and raise our kids to follow Jesus. Fathers, here is your opportunity to be a man, to be a hero to your kids. Don't let this opportunity slip because you got too involved in your job, because you got too lost in your hobbies, that you've neglected being a hero to your kids where you could stand in the gap for them, to lead them, to love them, to guide them towards a relationship with Christ. Young men, single men, here is your opportunity to decide that you will be a man who will stand up and stand in the gap for your future spouse, for your future family, in your career, and for your friends. That You will say, I will grow and be a man who will live for God. Even for you who are teenagers right now, David was a teenage boy and made the decision to say, I will stand for God, and I will stand for the things of God, and I will live for him. Parents, I can't help but think that if we would be willing to say, I will be the ones who will stand in the gap for my kids to pray over them, to instill values in them, to instill what it means to follow Christ in them, what a difference in their future could be as they grow to know Christ by your example and that you could be a hero for them in their life. I can't help but think, church, if we can step up, if we would be willing to say, we'll stand in the gap for our city, That when God looks at the Silicon Valley, does he look down and see anybody standing on behalf of the city? Anybody standing on behalf of those who are hurting and those who are broken and those who are far from God? Is there anybody standing before God for them, interceding on their behalf, saying, I will. I'll be the one to stand for them. 
That if we could be a church who would say, you know what, there's somebody in my life that I will pray for every day this year. That I'll make a commitment to pray for them every day that God will wreck their life and bring salvation into them. That I will seek to invest in them and invite them into a relationship with Christ. That God could use us to be a hero, to take a stand, to stand in the gap for someone so that they can experience salvation and life in Christ. Guys, I can't help but think what a movement of God this could unleash when we are willing to say, God, I will stand. Use me. I will take a stand. Let me stand in the gap. I see a day when marriages will be strengthened and families will go on to live for God because husbands decide today to say, I will stand for God. I will stand in the gap for my family. I see a day when children will go on into their future and they will live for Jesus and God will use them to do amazing things here in the Silicon Valley and all throughout the world because parents said, I will stand in the gap for my kids. I will model the faith for my kids and be the one to teach them to the best of my ability. I see a day when middle school and high school students will come to faith in Christ and their lives will be changed throughout all eternity because a student decided to say, I will stand in the gap for my friends. I will stand for them. And I see a day when the Silicon Valley can be changed. When it will be changed with the message of Christ as we as a church begin to say, I will stand in the gap for my city. I will stand in the gap for my friends. I will stand in the gap to say, God, use me to model for them what it means to follow Christ. Use me to share with them what it means to follow Christ. Heroes are made when someone decides to take a stand, to step up, to stand in the gap. And God wants to use you today to be a hero in the lives of your family, your friends, and your city, and all those people around you. And the question is, will you be willing, will you be ready to be the one to say, yes, God, I will stand. Yes, God, I will step into it. God can use you today. And I want to challenge you this week to be thinking about who is the one person that maybe God wants me to really be the one to step up for. Who is the, what is the one cause that God has been putting on my heart? Maybe it's human trafficking victims or working with children in extreme poverty. We just had a team go to Ethiopia and work with kids there that are being changed because people decided to stand up and say, I will sponsor a kid. I will go. I will help this kid have a hope of knowing Christ in a better life because I will stand. What is it that God this week is putting on your heart? Who is it that God is seeking to use you in their life? Maybe today you need to start with that relationship piece. See, David was able to go out and he was able to stand for God because he knew God. David was able to go stand for him because he had faith in God and he had seen God work in his life. Maybe today you need to start there by coming to Christ and saying, Jesus, for the first time, I recognize that there's a gap between me and God and that my actions, my good deeds, the things I've been trying to do just aren't hacking it. And you're putting your faith in Christ for the first time so that now you can begin to live for God. Today we have a prayer booth in the back that I want to invite you to swing by if you need to. We have people there that can help stand with you to pray for someone. Wives, maybe your husband, you've been longing for him to come to know Christ, to begin to lead in your family. And he hasn't been here today, and you just want somebody to just pray with you, to pray for him. 
We'll have people that can pray with you. We'll have people that can help you understand more about a relationship with Christ this morning. And we invite you after our service to swing by our prayer booth back there. Guys, God is, wants to use us to be a hero in the lives of those around us. And it's time for us to take a stand. Let me pray for us. God, I pray that you would just instill such a great faith in us that we would be willing to stand up for you, that we would be willing to stand for the things of God, that we would be willing to be used by you in the lives of the people that are around us. I pray today that you would just put in our hearts for men, for husbands and fathers, that we would step up to begin to lead in our families, God. Would you guide us and instruct us? Would you help us to know what it is the causes or the people that, God, you want to use us to be a hero in? God, would you help us to stand in the faith? Would you strengthen us? Would you encourage us? God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.